Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We Christians live in the kingdom of light and life, and then we have the kingdom of darkness. And people who are not Christians are living in the kingdom of darkness. And with this dark kingdom comes spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12, write that down, memory verse. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're engaged in spiritual warfare And we're praying for victory. Thy kingdom come for victory. Thy kingdom come is a warfare prayer. And thy kingdom come, number five, is a submissive prayer. When we pray thy kingdom come, we're surrendering our plans. We're surrendering our priorities to God. And we're saying, Lord, I trust you with my life and my plans. God, I trust you with my life and my plans. So, God, if you want me to be married, then bring me a spouse. That's for somebody. God, if you want me to be pregnant, then if you can get Mary pregnant by the Holy Spirit, then what can't you do? God, you can do anything because you're God. Right? So thy kingdom come is a submissive prayer. It says, God, whatever you want. God, I need another job. I submit myself to you to give me another job. God, I need new friends. Let the church say amen. (laughs) We all do on some level. God, give me new friends. God, my kids. I'm praying for my kids. Couple of them doing good. Couple of them I don't think going to make it. Amen. Parents, when you got multiple kids, you know how that divides out, right? Yeah, when we pray thy kingdom come, we're submitting ourselves to the plan of God. Number six, thy kingdom come is a comforting prayer. It's a comforting prayer. Anxiety should be a reminder to pray. Anxiety should be a reminder to cast your cares on God, not go to the doctor for anti-anxiety medicine or anti, yeah, anxiety medicine. No. Anxiety should cause us to cast our cares on God. When we realize that God is in control of everything, it's comforting. And that's why I started this series, by the way, Holy Prayer on Who God Is. Were you with me? The very first teaching on Holy Prayer was who God is, because it's important when you pray to get... Are y'all listening tonight? Okay. All right. Then it's just the the enemy in my head saying, they ain't even listening to you. Okay. Okay. So when you're praying, it's helpful to know that the God that you're praying to has the power to answer your prayers. 
you got to know that. And if you don't know that, you probably won't pray. Because just what folk don't do, they don't pray if they don't think the God that they're praying to can't even hear. That's what the Bible tells us. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto our prayers. He's listening. He wants to hear from you. So we got to know who he is. We started this series on who God is. We talked about that he's omnipotent, and that he's uh, um, omniscient, and he's omnipresent. We talked about that. So thy kingdom come is a comforting prayer. Have you noticed life is crazy? Have you noticed that? Life is crazy. It's unpredictable. It's chaotic. It's harsh. But we belong to a kingdom that will overcome the world. We belong to a kingdom that our God will protect us and our God will comfort us. Thy kingdom come is a comforting prayer. Thy kingdom come, number seven, is a unifying prayer. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, think about it. There's only one kingdom. And by the way, when we start talking about the kingdom of God, that's Christian stuff. That's Christian. There's only one kingdom. You don't have the kingdom of the Baptists. There's no kingdom of the Methodists. There's no kingdom of the Calvary Chapelites. Say amen. Those Calvary Chapel getting kind of nuts too. There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no separate kingdom for any group, denomination, race. There's one kingdom. The one kingdom we find is in this book, in the book of Revelation, where we find every nation, tongue, and tribe, and people are gathered around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's one kingdom. It's not the Baptist kingdom or the Methodist kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. And there's no divisions. I'll wait while you clap your hands there. Listen, one day in the kingdom, all other divisions will be done away with. Real simple you're not going to Baptist heaven. Say amen. amen. One heaven, everybody praising God. Lastly, thy kingdom come is a realistic prayer. You know, some people say Christians are escapists. I don't know if you ever heard that or not, but many people believe that. That Christians are escapists, and especially when we start talking about the rapture of the church, that God's going to snatch us away when stuff gets bad. Just before it gets bad, God's going to snatch us away. And you Christian people are escapists. All you think about is getting escaping reality, they say. And they say that prayer is an escape from reality. Karl Marx called religion, y'all know this, don't you? The opiate of the masses. The opiate of the masses. Listen, when we pray, we're not escaping from reality. We're running to reality. We're not escaping from reality. The problem is what you see around you is not true reality. Not for the Christian. Am I right about it, sweetie? Not for the Christian. This is not real. Our reality, this is the hope of heaven. Our reality is in heaven. Someday we're not going to escape. We're going home. We're not going to escape. We're going home. We're on our way to the kingdom. Our prayer should be, God, I want your will, your kingdom above my own. Lord, advance your kingdom. Lord, your will be done. God, bring your will to the earth. Come be my king and take up residence upon the throne of my heart. 
Point number four, saints, let's move forward in our outline. His pardon. Point number four in our outline, the model prayer, his pardon. Look at verse four. Verse four. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Notice, let me see. Twelve. It's the fourth point. Twelve. Y'all knew. I was just seeing if you knew. It is verse 12. Thank you, Pastor Ralph. Number four, his pardon. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In your margins, in your Bibles, you can write this down. Psalm 32.1. Psalm 32.1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The word forgiven, keep that pen, the word forgiven means to lift off. It means to lift off. It means to take away. When you're forgiven, it feels like something has been lifted off. You ever felt it? When you're forgiven, you feel like something has been lifted off or something has been taken away. The word forgiven also implies covered, means to shroud or to cloak or to hide. Our sins are hidden, shrouded by the blood of Christ from the eyes of a holy God. The word impute also comes into this uh, word wording of uh, forgiven, definition of forgiven, covered, lifted off, taken away, impute. That's kind of an accounting word, and it means to cancel debt, to cancel debt, the debt of sin that we could not pay. We owed a sin. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're forgiven. But just as you are forgiven, we need to forgive. Because we're Christians, I think we talked about it like three Sundays ago, like cancer is linked to unforgiveness. Wasn't that three, like three Sundays ago-ish? Cancer is linked to unforgiveness. All kinds of sicknesses and disease and death is linked to unforgiveness. So for you to hold on to unforgiveness is to hurt yourself. So we need to be forgiving people because we are forgiven. You know, there's an old saying, when people sin against you, don't rub it in, rub it out. Right? It's hard to rub it out. But we can do all things through Christ. So forget it. C.S. Lewis, a great author and brilliant thinker, he was a scholar at Cambridge and Oxford in England, and they were having this huge seminar one day, listen, about 700 people were there, and they were prominent Christian theologians discussing the topic, what is unique in Christianity that is not found in any other religion? And C.S. Lewis was caught in traffic. He's about an hour late for the meeting, and for the first hour, scholars were discussing and talking, and they couldn't come up with anything. What was absolutely unique about Christianity, when Lewis walked in, they tossed the question to him, and he said, oh, that's simple, the forgiveness of sin. Think about it. That's unique to Christianity. You don't have to do anything? That's unique to Christianity. In Hinduism, in, 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 in mo- every other world religion, as a matter of fact, in order to receive Um, absolution, forgiveness, if you will, you have to do something. 
You got to crawl up some steps on shards of glass or climb a mountain on your stomach. Tibetanism or Tibetans. Climb a mountain on their stomach. Christianity, Father, forgive me. Mean it from your heart, and you're forgiven. Christianity, that's unique. I'm trying to help you. Christianity, that's unique. Think about that. The resurrection, unique. There's many things unique about Christianity. The forgiveness of sins, he pardons us of our sin. And number five, number five, and do not, verse 13, see, I got it right. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Don't lead us into temptation. Now, let me have your attention. We have heard in the news recently. Y'all know where I'm going, right? We've heard in the news recently that the Pope wants to change this statement. Or have you heard? You haven't heard? I'm going to tell you right now. The Pope wants to change the statement, do not lead us into temptation. I don't know why you haven't heard it. It's a pretty big story. Trying to change those words because he says that they are not quite correct. Google it. Not making this up. He's saying that they're not quite correct because the word tempt or test um, implies that God is um, setting you up for harm, setting you up for failure. So he wants to change it to something else. I'm not really sure what that something else is, but there's some chatter about changing. Do not lead us into temptation. Don't get me wrong. I love the Pope. Amen. I love the Lord more. I love the Pope. I love the word of God more. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there. Nobody, nobody, listen, listen, nobody can change God's word. It's been around for 2,000 years. I don't think it needs your help right now. Love you mean it. Not cool. No, we're not changing Jesus' words himself. Not only that, but James chapter 1, verse 13 tells us, Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now listen, God will allow you to be tested, and let me explain. God will allow you to be tested. God allowed Abraham to go through many tests. Genesis 13, Genesis 14, Genesis 17, Genesis 18, Genesis 21. All of these were tests that Abraham went through. They all started in Genesis 12. Don't you know your Bibles? God told Abraham to leave his country and his family and to go to a land that God would show him. Remember, that was a huge test. And God tested Abraham when there was a famine in the land. Remember, Abraham went down to Egypt and he started lying. Remember? Because Sarah was his wife. She was beautiful. And Abraham said, look, honey, you look so good. They might try to take you and kill me. 
So, because I'm your husband, so what we're going to say is when we get to Egypt, we're going to say that you are like my sister. You're like my sister. Sarah probably looked at him and said, oh, is that what we're doing? Is, is that, is that oh, oh, I'm like your sister now, huh? She probably said, uh-uh, no, no, we're not doing that. We'll pick up another plan, but it won't be that one. Abraham went through many tests. But the ultimate test, listen, I could keep you all night talking about the test of Abraham. But the ultimate test is in Genesis chapter 22. Okay, Genesis chapter 22 is like the bar exam. It's like the biggie. The biggie. The big test. Genesis 22 is the moment that Abraham had been preparing for for 50 years. God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, and offer him on Mount Moriah. And Abraham passed that test, and God provided a ram in the bush. The word test in Hebrew, here's where, it, here's where the understanding needs to happen for you, me, and the Pope. Okay? In Hebrew, the word test means to try, to prove, or approve. God wasn't testing Abraham because God is sadistic and likes to see people fail. That's the devil. Satan tests and tempts to destroy us. God's testings and, and Satan's testings are completely different. God doesn't tempt us to do evil. God will test us, listen, to bring to surface the things that you never knew were there. To prove, approve, or try. Are you still with me? So God will test to bring to surface things that you never knew were there. Satan will tempt to trip you up and trick you so you can fall. God will test to build you up and strengthen you. And at the same time, God will allow Satan's temptations to test you. God knew what Abraham was made of and to prove and approve Abraham to show Abraham, look at your faith. You're a man of faith. You're a man after my own heart. Like David, you'll do what I say. And he did offer your son, your only son, Isaac. And he did. He passed the test. So he proved, God proved to Abraham what Abraham had within him. This is where this word test and tempt comes from and what it means. And I think many times we hate to admit it. But some testings is good for us. Isn't that right? Because, listen, it brings you, I'm almost done. It brings you into a deeper fellowship with God. Abraham is called into the deepest form of fellowship. As a matter of fact, Philippians 3.10, Paul prayed that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Paul's talking about a deep, deep fellowship. You know, suffering and testings are good for you. And you will as a Christian. Yes, here's a promise. I told you more than 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. Yes, as a Christian. Yes, all who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. It's good for you. And if you haven't suffered yet, just wait your turn. Is coming because there are things, and I know what I'm talking about, and so do many Christians in this room. There are things that you can only learn through suffering. There's no way you'll ever get it. You'll never know. You can't get it. 
You can't get it. You can't get it. You can't. So God has to allow you to go through something. So don't be so bitter. And that's why when you go through something, you can go through it with joy. You can count it all joy when you suffer trials. When you know that God is for you, who can be against you, and all things work together for the good to those who love God and to those who are, are the called according to his purpose. When you know that, when you know that, well, then you can deal with it. But when you don't know that and you don't trust God, well, now the the trial and the suffering and the temptation and the prayer that's not been answered and God's not sending me a husband or he's not letting me get pregnant or he's not giving me a better job. All these things is God working against you. You're going to become bitter. You will not become better. But when you trust God, you go through anything. You can go through anything because you know God. Where the saints at? You can go through anything because you know God is with you. Right? You know God is with you. And you learn to go through suffering. You know things and you learn things that you would not ordinarily know. Some theologian called that, all I just said, he called that the dark night of the soul. That's good. The dark night of the soul. Some of the deepest people I know have walked through suffering and sickness and cancer and pain unspeakable. You think you're going through something because your radiator overheated in the car. Okay. Oh, the microwave's broke. Oh, it's suffering for Jesus. <laughs> you ain't suffering. You don't know nothing about that. Some of the deepest people I know have suffered severely. And they didn't come, become bitter. They did become better. And notice in verse 14, let me come in. Jesus said, do not lead us in temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Point number six, his power and his preeminence. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This prayer, saints, notice it ends in an expression, an explosion of praise. Now, we need to understand something here. Jesus is not going to be king. He is king now. And when we pray, yours is the kingdom, we're saying, Lord, I acknowledge that today, right now, you are king. And we are subjects and servants to the king we are freely acknowledging his right to lordship in our lives for yours is the kingdom or it could read yours is the kingship. Yours is the kingship and the power. Saints, Bible students, this is a word every Christian should know. Power is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. D-U-N-A-M-U-S. D-U-N-A-M-U-S. Dunamis. Dunamis. Is a Greek word for power. Jesus says, Terry in Jerusalem, until you receive dunamis, power from on high. Dunamis. God has all power. God has all the power. And I think sometimes we're too proud to admit it. But God has all the power. Our Father, 
in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And the church said, holy prayer. Holy prayer starts with who God is. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient. That means he knows everything. And he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at once. It starts with who God is. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.